Welcome to the Sharing the Heart of the Matter podcast, where we bring you talented creatives who inspire you to reach your next level of personal growth. I'm Wynne Leon, and in this episode, I'm with my co-host, Dr. Vicki Atkinson, and we are back with the esteemed psychologist and blogger, Dr. Gerald Sine. In this podcast, which is episode two of a two-part series, Dr. Stein walks us through his list, How to Become Your Own Best Friend. This is one of our favorite essays from Dr. Stein, which is saying a great deal given the depth and breadth of his wisdom. In last week's episode, we covered items focusing on expanding our horizons to become both interesting and interested, making mistakes, self-compassion, advocating for ourselves, and not overthinking things. We continue in the vein of standing up for ourselves with do not explain, excuse, or apologize because you believe someone else expects this. Dr. Stein walks us through this difficult but essential practice of being secure enough to stand our ground and also to say no. One of my favorite phrases is from Roshi Joan Halifax, strong back, soft front. In that vein, we move to talk about Dr. Strine's instruction that we allow love and kindness to emanate from our beings. This is one of my personal favorites because I spent years surfing in my father's wake of goodness. When we do the work to see others around us, like grocery clerks and people we pass by, and greet them warmly, we not only change the tenor in the air, been on ourselves as well. Dr. Stein tells us to hold on to old friends. We know that Dr. Stein has done this because of his wonderful story he told on a previous podcast about the accidental philanthropist. This involves staying in touch with a core group of friends from high school. As the saying goes, one cannot make old friends. And friends are always a benefit when we face disappointing and hard times. But Dr. Stein also explains that another way through is understanding that we'll likely return to our set point after experience misfortune and unhappiness. Dr. Stein says, overcoming hardship will require a great deal of strength and willpower, but it's known we will return to our set point. This is a great episode full of the warm and wise advice of Dr. Stein. He proves an excellent guide past the pitfalls and into the fullness of a wonderful life. We know you'll love it. And if you haven't already, read Dr. Stein's complete list, including my personal favorite, number 29. Empty your being of all your power, imagination, and grit. Use it up. Also, go back and listen to the first episode of Being Your Own Best Friend, if you haven't already. On a programming note, we will only be producing one more episode in 2023 after this one so that we can take a break for the holidays. Hi, Dr. Stein. Hello. Good morning. Vicki and I are so delighted to have you back with us again. Can you please continue with your wonderful list? This is this is one of my favorites too, actually. Do not explain, excuse, or apologize because you believe someone else expects this. Mm -hmm. Such betray insecurity. Discover when to wait and how to say no. 
And I have a couple of stories about this too. Um, one, one is, it actually happened when I was a graduate student at Northwestern. And they, I guess these guys don't come around anymore, but uh, it was a traveling, you know, a door-to-door salesman. And he was selling magazine subscriptions. So I let him in and uh, he said that he showed me the list of magazines. And I was overly uh, polite and deferential to him, but I didn't want to buy a magazine. So at the end of perusing the list, I said, well, you know, you uh, know, there's nothing here I want, but you know, it's, it's too bad you don't have Sports Illustrated. If you had Sports Illustrated, I'd buy that. Oh, I can get that for you. <laughs> well, I was stuck. I wound up buying a magazine. I was, I mean, I have, have I would have purchased, I would have taken the subscription for free, but I, I didn't want to buy it. I was a poor graduate student. So, uh, you know, that you don't have, I didn't owe him anything. Yeah. I should have said no. Well, yeah. I didn't make that mistake twice in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. A glancing reference to item number three. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. One of the difficulties of, of apologizing, when you make an excuse, somebody, let's say somebody invites you to a party. You don't want to go to the party. Now, sometimes it's good to go to parties if you're introverted. A lot of reasons to be good, even if you don't want to go. But let's just assume it's not an unreasonable um, decision. You want to go to a party. And so you you say um, something like, oh, uh, geez, I, I, my car is broken down and, uh, and I can't possibly get it. <laughs> oh, Steve can pick you up. <laughs> He'll take it. Then the other version of this that's also trouble is those people whose insecurity is betrayed by saying uh, serial, giving serial explanations and excuses. Uh. <laughs> so, you know, my the car's broken down and I don't have the right clothes and, and you know, I've got a hamstring pull. <laughs> <laughs> With each additional excuse you make, your credibility re- gets reduced, yeah. and it becomes clear to the other person that that uh, there, there's something else going on, and they're they're just getting sick of you by then. Mm-hmm. So I, you don't you don't owe the world excuses as a rule if you can just yeah. stand there and allow the time to move on and them to accept the fact mm-hmm. you're not going. You know, it's not that there aren't some people you would like to give excuses to, um, but but as a as a rule, you have to be careful of it for the reasons I've outlined. Yeah, <laughs> I've shifted at some point to not saying what I won't do, but to offer what I will do. So mm-hmm. if I say, you know, I can't, I, I'm not going to come to your party, but I'd love to meet you for lunch. Mm-hmm. If that's what works better for me to mm-hmm. say, you know, this that doesn't really work for me, but yeah. here's what does. And then it mm-hmm. puts me in the frame of mind of having to come up with what I really want. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what what happens when when the per- you never want to see the person again? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. 
That's Whoa. a different one. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe well, that plays into one of the things that I've learned to do that's a spin on what Wen just said is learning, you know, that no is a complete sentence, which is mm -hmm. really hard for me. So I can buffer that a little bit with, no, I'm so sorry, I can't. And then you just sort of let it sit with a little bit of an apology. Yeah. yeah. And that's it, right? Good, good ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So uh, number 11, I've got, do not worry much about what others will say about you privately. They tend to be preoccupied with their foibles, not yours. As Marcus Aurelius wrote, I have wondered how it is that every man loves himself more than all the rest of men, but yet sets less value on his own opinion of himself than on the opinion of others. Mm. I guess this well, that comes to mind about this involved a, a cousin of mine and her mom who'd been battling cancer for years died. And my dad and I went over to visit her and her father and and give our condolences and i was i don't know a teenager uh, and in the course of my conversation with with her she was just about my age i said something that you should never say when you're trying to give consolation because we were talking about a particular thing that happened to one of us and i said boy that's a fate worse than death and in the oh. second after I said it, I wanted to suck it back in, but you can't do that. Years later, she she eventually left uh, left town, and uh, years later, I uh, was with her, and I had for some reason I thought about that, and it had been troubling me for many years, decades, literally, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that that I said that, and so I asked her about that, and I reminded her of what happened. She'd forgotten all about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it's an important thing to remember. You may it's not to dismiss the the lack of wisdom I, I exhibited by saying that. It's to recognize that you may or may not have caused the dreadful injury that you think. She did not at the time look like it bothered her a great deal. It may have bothered me more. Mm -hmm. I don't. I mean, in the in the big picture, the death of her mother was the issue, not what my my idle and and uh, inappropriate comment. And mm -hmm. I'm not trying to to minimize. I, I mean, I would would hate to do that again. Uh, and for so far, so, so good. But um, I, I do think that we have to recognize that. Uh, there is a, a limit on, on what, what you're worried about, both about yourself, especially about mm -hmm. what other people say about you. And some people's opinions of you are irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You're gonna get you're gonna get some backlash to who you are if you stand up for yourself, if mm -hmm. you represent some something worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. There's so much to consider there about, without getting too political or overly cultural, but the the need to sort of um, engage in a little absolution if your intent wasn't to harm or offend, but still words have such power. And I 
I am aware of some folks in my life who are almost afraid to communicate sometimes around certain social issues, things that are tinged with a lot of emotionality because they fear that they may not say it quite right and not wanting to offend. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and just to give you one other anecdote that, that I think kind of rounds out the subject. I had, I, I worked for a fellow psychiatrist for a while in a, a private psychiatric hospital, Forest Hospital in Chicago, and he was my supervisor. He uh, asked me, and, and you've probably read about this since I, I wrote about it for the blog. He asked me to go to a meeting that he couldn't attend. And he was a guy who had a strong personality and who said things that were a little bit off the wall, sometimes more than a little off the wall. Mm. So the, the received opinion about him was, was not always applause. Mm-hmm. In any case, I went to the meeting and uh, for him, and people did comment on him and, and say a few things about him that were not laudatory. So I returned, and he wanted to know, uh, whenever we met again, what happened. I let him know that, that some people had, had things to say that were negative about his opinions. And his, his words were, if I can remember them precisely, oh, yes, a big tree casts a long shadow. <laughs> now, I thought two things about this. Number one, yes, you are full of yourself. <laughs> Mr. Big Tree, yes. Mm -hmm. Number two was he was absolutely right. Mm -hmm. If you want to be, if you want to fade into the woodwork, no one is going to ever say, well, they may say some bad things about you, but you're going to avoid some of those bad things you're afraid Mm -hmm. of. If you Mm -hmm. want to, if you want to be, be a man, as they used to say, which now applies to forceful women too, then you got to, you're going to get some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But it, this also seems to me to speak of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. If you're mm-hmm. always motivated by what people will say about you, whether it be mm-hmm. good or bad, mm-hmm. then yeah. it's not, it's, you're going to be, you know, buffeted by the winds as opposed to sailing a internal yeah. course. And I think you're not going to be authentic. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I think, you know, authenticity is a much discussed topic, as we know, mm-hmm. and some of it is essential and some of it is, I think, goes sometimes too far. But I think, again, if you want to be who you are, then you have to say who you are. You have mm-hmm. to represent those things that, that matter to you when it is not going to cause you to have your, you know, your somebody to shoot you, which is another difficulty these days mm-hmm. i think we have a little more perhaps too much license on the one part to say outrageous things and and um danger on the other part mm-hmm. that people who don't like what you say will will take action against you and formidable action yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think we're surrounded by folks that to, you know, Wins Point and yours, Dr. Stein, that, you know, having that sort of um, internal compass about who you are, what matters, your identity, your purpose, your gifts, your flaws, your, the misgivings that you have, getting connected with that as much as possible so that you're not 
um, bounced around, you know, by winds saying the prevailing winds. They like me. They don't like me. I'm I'm good today. I'm not not good the next day. You, you need that foundation, and mm. and it can be a difficult thing to achieve and then maintain about who you are and what matters and what you'll speak to and how you'll do it. And yeah, I mean, you you can't if I if I expand on that a little bit. The idea of dating, I mean, I've known men, uh, some who I've known in casual friendships, some who were my patients, who essentially lived their whole life in fear of not being able to say the right thing to a woman they wanted to go out with. Mm -hmm. and I remember I remember for myself the first time I, I wanted to call a girl for a date when such things happened, you know, um, <laughs> as opposed to texting them or something. Uh, the, the, I, I sat in my room at home, this is when I was in high school and I sat and I looked at the phone <laughs> and I sat and I looked at the phone and I sat, <laughs> I could go on for a while. Well, I eventually, yeah. but, uh, and, and she was fine and we went out on a date, but it, you know, come on, get over yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't want to live this way. You yeah. shouldn't live this way. No, no, because of the urgency, which we have discussed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Number 13, you especially appreciated this win. I did. Allow love and kindness to emanate from your being. Live with both intelligence and an open heart. Those different from you also find existence challenging. The reason I love this one so much is that I used to, I used to sail in my dad's wake quite a bit. You know, we would go to the hardware store because we were working on a project. And as a person, he did this. He allowed love and kindness to emanate from his being. And whether we were hiking or we were at the hardware store or we were at a group of <laughs> friends, he just was so open hearted that he got this response. And so as the person, you know, sailing behind him, I could see this response that he created in others was just this easy to ride flow. And until you see that, it's not, you don't realize how much of a response it is that people are giving to you to what you're putting out. Yeah. 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 I think that's absolutely right. The, uh, I mean, I've seen it even in places like department stores uh, and and grocery stores where you 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 don't see the person, the checker, let's say, the sales associate, as an object who's who mm -hmm. has no name, even though they have a name that's emblazoned on on their chest or on the whatever they're wearing, and um, that that they are ignored by you but if you engage them mm -hmm. if you smile if you call them by name you can transform the situation in a moment yeah mm -hmm. and i the most dramatic example i ever had of that which is is just one example it's not kind of your your father's enormous presence it helps to have the to, to be a preacher, I imagine you have to have a big presence. <laughs> Certainly the, the people that I, who the uh, clergymen that I treated uh, from a variety of, uh, of backgrounds, they all had a good presence. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Got in a lot of trouble, actually, the ones that I'm talking about. <laughs> because mm -hmm. as soon as you as soon as you have that, people will follow you. Mm -hmm. Right. They think yeah. you've got God and your presence behind them. Yeah. But but in this case, mm -hmm. uh, the woman's name was Beata. And she looked like a, a truck had, had run her over that day. You know, she had she had no life in her. She was going through the routine of processing whatever was on the on the cart in your cart uh, to to check out. And I saw the name and I'm pretty good with pronunciations most of the time. And I said, uh, good morning, Beata. She transformed in a split second. And she <laughs> said, I was the first person that she encountered doing that job who oh. had gotten her name right. Oh. You know, oh. you can, it, it's so easy. And it, in fact, makes you feel better to do it. It does. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. yeah. See me. See me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Oh, this is this is a, a good one. Number 18 is misfortune and unhappiness will be overwhelming at times. Most of us eventually return to our usual level of well-being, to our set point. Hmm. And this is not people conventionally believe that if you can overcome hardship, you are doing it because you have an enormous willpower, usually that. Mm -hmm. And it's quite extraordinary and, and outside of the bounds, especially if they have not encountered anything as large as what they consider you've gone through. And while there's great truth in having that kind of strength of character, there's also one thing that people don't consider. And it is that, that and psychologists have a lot of data on this, we adapt. If And Daniel Kahneman talks about it, other important psychologists talk about it, that after a time, human beings adjust and go back to their set point. A set point is our normal or regular level of being in terms of life satisfaction, happiness, etc. And and that's why you can win the lot. That's one of the reasons why you can win the lottery. And at a certain point, you come down from the high. It's also why if you're defeated, you will usually come back unless you have successive and you know, unending defeats, you'll come back to the point of saying, okay, that was yesterday and I feel better today. And it's a matter of feeling. Uh, the best example I can give of it is unfortunately something I went through. It, it happened, what, 2019. Okay, uh, I am still a big fan of classical music and have been so since I was about 16 or so. Well, in 2019, on June the 10th, not that it matters to me, uh, but, but on June the 10th, 2019, uh, I had to go to an ENT actually, because I wanted my uh, the, the wax in my ears to be cleared out. I, I felt a kind of occlusion. That had happened occasionally and, and uh, I'd gotten it taken care of. But apparently technology had moved on from the way that it had been done. You can uh, have a, a kind of uh, water sprayed into your ear and that will often do it. And of course, there are other things you can use at home. But the uh, ENT had been recommended to me. Uh, and after I mentioned that those were the methods I, I knew, 
she decided it would be a good idea to use a, a an electric instrument, basically a vacuum. Hmm. And it, she immediately, without telling me she was going to do it, she stuck it into my ear, uh, my right ear, and she told me this is going to be loud. It's really loud. And she got whatever she needed to get out. Then she moved to the left ear, and I was still kind of startled. And what happened at that point was that there was something that she called a screech, which is not what it's supposed to do. It, it was a, a, a loud, uh, high-pitched malfunction, mm -hmm. which, as we talked later on, she thought it only happened in her 14 years of practice once before, and that woman had recovered from it after about 10 days. It would have been nice to know that that was a danger, and it would have been nice to know if she had told me what, it, what was coming, but that didn't happen. Well, for the next six months or so, maybe longer, maybe less long, I, I felt both heartbroken, depressed, and enraged. Um, there, I had done enough expert witness work that I recognized, and I'd had enough patients who had had legal problems, mostly in the form of divorce, that I, even, even as much as I wanted retribution, and I did, um, uh, that was not going to avail me anything good. The rest of my life would have, would have been in and out of court, in and out of depositions. And yeah. then they would have said, oh, you're such and such an age and uh, you, you're retired and uh, how much money do you make? And it would have been rendered into something. And you don't, you, you've never done this for a living. Music's, you know, I've done a lot of things in music uh, with the Chicago Symphony, and uh, but I never mm -hmm. was a performing musician and uh, so on. Mm -hmm. So so they, I recognized that was, was a poor choice. Well, as I say, I felt terrible. And as time passed, so did my level of life satisfaction returned to normal. I can say, and I've said it for years, people find it hard to believe, two things. Number one, I'm as happy or, or you know, as, as dystopic as I ever was. I actually am happier now probably than I was, you know, at age 50, let's say. So I returned to the set point. The other thing was that many people said, oh, this is, this is because you have a lot of interests. This is because you have a strong will. This is because uh, you recognize that you have a lot of friends and love in your life and you're financially stable and on and on. And I always say to them, no, that's not it. <laughs> you know, it just happened. It just mm -hmm. happened. This, and, and I will give you a psychologist's belief in what happened. That is to say, an evolutionary psychologist, which I'm not, but I know enough about evolutionary psychology, I would say this, that if mankind, our distant ancestors, were defeated by such things as I have described, obviously there were no incompetent uh, ENTs sticking <laughs> machines into their, into their ears, um, the... Uh, we wouldn't be here. They would have been defeated by life, mm -hmm. have done something harmful to themselves. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have overcome all of the things that life has in store for us. And as both of you know, it's not always pleasant. Mm -hmm. 
But in the, in the big picture, those people who are our ancestors are our ancestors because they were selected for by the evolutionary process. They had the capacity to overcome those things and they had the capacity to adapt. Mm -hmm. So that's in, in us, mm -hmm. in most of us at least. And it's, it's enough of it was in me to be able to say that I, I'm, you know, I would, I would say to you, if somebody said, give me $10,000 and I can make your hearing what it was, I do it in a split second. I'm not suggesting otherwise. Right. Yeah. But but yeah. I'm quite pleased to talk with people about music because I still know a lot mm -hmm. in music <laughs> history. And, it, and I read. Uh, mm -hmm. but, I, but life goes on. Well, and I love how 18 and 20 on your list are so compatible to yeah. one another you know in 20 where you say when hardship comes remember how you survived earlier losses and what properties within you enabled you to bounce back what I love about that is that you're not saying we only learn and grow and and can continue moving forward because the exact same horrific event occurred it you know the fact that you survive a, a series of things in life that are unfortunate they can be varied and they are but we we learn and keep going. Yeah, yeah losses happen. They are part of part of uh, a life and part of part of actually. I mean, if it was if every day was a sunny day, I'd, frankly, I wish it were because the, I'm, I'm I'm concerned about the uh, the climate change. But yeah. the, the if every day were metaphorically a sunny day, mm -hmm. wouldn't appreciate the sunny days quite so much as you do. Right. Indeed. We also learn so much when we struggle. Yeah. 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 And other people are invariably watching us mm -hmm. as this is happening. Mm -hmm. So I, I often think of all of us as like teachers, you know, in the experience of life, because there's an audience always and someone who can benefit from seeing that perseverance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, and it's, and it's as simple as, you know, with my kids, not doing things for them, but letting them mm -hmm. do it themselves. Mm -hmm. There is, they learn that confidence that comes that yeah. they can keep trying and learning things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's not just about the competence of things, but the confidence that they can yeah. keep at it. Very yeah. well said. Very well said. Love Why that. Thank you so much for sharing this wonderful essay and your thoughts and stories around it. We're so grateful for your time and touch in our lives. Well, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Our music is composed for sharing the heart of the matter by the exquisitely talented duo of Jack Canfora and Rob Koenig. For show notes and more great inspiration, please visit our site at sharingtheheartofthematter.com. Thank you.